your faithfulness in giving. We are believing for measures of miraculous provision. There's a lot of, uh, I don't want to say needs, but there are a lot of places where the Lord is requiring of us to to go and within those places as as you all well know so many of them are not opulent societies and um, the people in the places we're being called to many of them don't have much in comparison to what the western world does so there are a lot of uh, things that we do that we have the responsibility to believe God for provision. And so um, thank you for that word. We're believing that this is a year of miraculous provision and um, it's all going to be the way it always has been and we're thankful for that. God always provides. Today we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture coming from the anointed inspired writings of the Apostle Peter. And um, so I ask you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. There's a lot that's stirring around in the Spirit that God is wanting to birth from the Scriptures through and in conjunction with our calling as saints. Um, I, I reflect back over the past many months where God spoke to us about the um, ministry of Samuel and how God was really attempting to show what he truly wanted from his people, the development of his people, not just having one stalwart voice, but to have, as Moses said, all of God's people prophesying and all of God's people knowing. And that's always been the the desire of, of our Father, but the enemy has done everything that he can to stop that from happening. In fact, when Jesus came, which is what we're going to talk about today, he really provided for us and continues to provide for us everything that we need to fulfill what God has always intended for his people. And I know like this past um, Wednesday, I spoke on Wednesday Night Live about Uzziah and there, there was a challenge there, and God ultimately brought leprosy upon him. And we can look at that, and we can just on surface look at that and say, oh, why did he do that? That was dumb. God put leprosy on him, and we talked about Jotham and then Ahaz and Isaiah's ministry there and you know, those are all good things. We need to know those things. But what was the ultimate challenge that was going on spiritually? And really, what what did that leprosy represent? And in other places where leprosy was put by God on people, 
And, you know, what did, what did that, not only what did that represent, but what did that signify in the overall measure of what God intends? And um, I think we, we definitely need to know that, not, not simply from a warning position, but from a, a proactive position of what, what is God's real intent. And I believe that we're being put in a position to be able to fulfill that. For Uzziah, uh, the, uh, the issue was about the priests. And I, I think that it's undeniable that Uzziah went about things in a wrong way. And God wasn't having it. But from what I've been studying about Uzziah, I, I believe that his intentions were right. It, I, don't, I don't think that he, I think he just deliberately and after 40 years of kicking it and taking names and bringing Judah into a position of prominence to equal what Solomon and David had, but probably even more so because of the formidable nature of the army and the and the, the prophetic strength that was there. I mean, if you have Isaiah and Amos as the lead prophets in your kingdom, you're 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 doing pretty well. Um, and I I do believe that there was something more that God wanted to do through the priesthood. The priests and the Ark of the Covenant were not doing what Solomon had said at the dedication of the temple God wanted to do. That's just a fact. And, and I would imagine that somebody as innovative and creative as Uzziah with the hand of the prophets there with him, the third part of the trifecta of kings, prophets, priests, We've got to do something about this, and it's got to be mobilized so that this temple is functioning in the way that God's manucha came to function. He went about it the wrong way. He went about it in a hard-headed way. And instead of then coming back and repenting, which I believe God would have healed him, he didn't do it. I can't, I wasn't there, but um, I know that that's the case. And I don't mean, this is not my message today about leprosy, but when God brought Aaron and Miriam and Moses together and said, what are, you, what are you two guys thinking? This is my friend. This is the one I speak to. This is the man that I love. And he puts leprosy on Miriam. And you know, there arguably you had prophet, priest, and king. Moses wasn't a king, but in all intents and purposes, he was. And then God says this weird thing. Um, you know, if a, if a father had spit in her face, she would have been put out for seven days. And I thought, of all the anointed things that God could say, God could say, the father spit in the face. That just seems like something I would say. Um, but in looking at that, it was that was a custom. Now, it's a weird one, but if a child in the household dishonored the parent, I mean dishonored the parent, not just got in trouble or stayed out late or whatever, but dishonored the parent, there was a process if the child was willing to submit. It was almost like a grounding, but there was a spitting that was indicated that this 
this child is dishonored, and for seven days you separate yourself, and during that seven days, seven of course, there is the, the, do you know what you did? Do you know why it was wrong? Are you willing to submit and be humble? But it was dishonoring the father, and that's what that whole thing was, and when God said that, everybody there knew what that meant. So there, there's a measure of in leprosy in the Bible, there's a measure of having those three facets of what God ordained. And in the revelation, it's coming. It's not some old covenant thing that we can blow off because now we're in the new covenant. Look ahead to revelation. That's what is this terminology that's there. We as saints are bringing together the measure of the prophetic, the measure of kingly authority before the throne and the priest, priestly ministry, and that has to be. But leprosy normally, when it's put upon by God, is something where things are out of joint and with those three, and it has to come back in together. So I don't think, I don't know, that we'll have a lot of messages about this leading up at the seminar, but just know good and well that these are going to be major themes during our seminar in two months. So if any of you are teaching or whatever and you bring it up, just don't be surprised if I speak about it again in March. I'm not stealing your thunder. Just know this is coming, and God knows what all he's going to be sharing. I sense an urgency. He's pouring these things out, and um, I, I just think it's, uh, it's a phenomenal thing that God is putting before us scripturally. I'm excited about these. I'm always excited about seeing God reveal deeper truths from his word that it's, it's, it's innovative, it's lively, it's, it's wonderful. The living word breathing and speaking, putting together things that we've seen over and over again in our study of the word and saying, this is that. When the Father gives a gift, there's always going to be this is that. That's what Peter birthed and the birth of the church and the, the, the promise of the Father. This is that which was spoken of. And that's... That's our calling. So I, I wanted us to see a couple of things, and I don't intend to keep you long, really. I, it, truly, I, I mean it this time. Um, because of the inclements, inclemency of the weather, uh, I don't want any of you to be afraid of going out. I don't think anything's going to happen in the next few hours. If It's, it's going to be a mist of snow, if anything, in the next few hours. So we're okay there, but I am going to honor that. But here is Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2. I think I told Scott verse 5, but I'm going to read verse 4, and then you'll see verse 5 up there. Uh, 1 Peter 2, 4 through 9. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God, and precious, you also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore, also, it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, 
But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's all we're going to read right now. These are familiar familiar verses, but um, it does really speak about the priesthood. It speaks about being um, aligned as stones of life on behalf of the chief cornerstone, who is our great high priest, who is at the right hand of the Father. You know, in Samuel's day, he prophesied to Eli that God was going to raise up a priesthood at the right hand. He says it twice in just the manner of two verses there. So any measure of the priesthood has to be rooted at the right hand which is where Jesus, our great high priest, is established. And that's, that's something very important for us to recognize. And um, I, uh, I, I wondered about the, when Amos spoke about how that the main problem with the, the, the people not being blessed was that they'd strayed from God because they had no teaching priest. And it just seems to me that what the priesthood really was supposed to be was not, not just a, a group of people who had the law and who just offered blood sacrifices and other measures of Levitical offerings, but kept everybody in line. That's what happened in Jesus' day. The priesthood and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin, they... Jesus said in Luke 11, you know, they've, they've got the key of knowledge, but they keep people locked up. They're, they're, they're going to be judged for that. And I, I, just, I just think it's interesting that from Uzziah's point where he really wanted to empower the priesthood and to see things happen, uh, by the time it got to Jesus' day, you had the priesthood, which was basically the driving force to resist Christ. And it is just very interesting to see, but the right hand of God and teaching are elements that the priests are really supposed to be offering up, which is why I think Samuel, when he had that word for Eli, he, he then started all those schools. And they were called schools of the prophets, but basically they were, they were being led and taught by someone that was functioning as a mediator between God and man. In fact, even when you see, if you read in Hebrews, this priesthood is supposed to be of the order of Melchizedek. Well, what did he do? You know, the king of righteousness, the king of vision, the king of uh, righteous vision before God, who would then become friends of God. Well, he comes to Abram, and he begins to basically teach Abram. Did you notice what he says? Blessed be Abraham, friend of the Most High possessor of heaven and earth. I mean, he's just pinging it. Boom, boom, boom. This is who you are. 
This is what you're called to be. And I think that is phenomenal. And that's what we really are called to do. As God sends us, and we're going to look at words here, which this priesthood is talking about. Now, we're called to go around the world teaching the word, leading people to the right hand of the Father, bringing people into relationship with the Father. That's the mediator. Introducing them to the great high priest for who he is now, and, and really identifying whether it's to the crypto or to the histeme or the deterio, this is what you're called to be. This is where you are. And really laying it out from the scripture. That's what we're supposed to be. That's what the priesthood is. We're not out back offering bulls and goats. What does it say here? We're, we are a pneumatikos house. That's the identity of our priestly ministry. We are saintly priests, and I'm just reading it right out of the book, to offer up pneumatikos sacrifices. That's what you are to do as a priesthood of the Lord. Pneumatikos things, the deep things in the spirit realm that are based in the word, presenting what holiness is. That's the identity of the priestly house. After the order of Melchizedek, one who is before the Father, knows the Father, looks in righteousness. That's faith. This is my friend. Let me tell you what the Most High is saying. Let me tell you what he has called you to be a possessor partner with him in, in this nation, in this nation, in this nation. One by one by one, every description in the Scripture says this. So it says here, Let's look at this. To him coming as a living stone. We don't have time to look at all these things today, but we're going to look at a couple of things. Um, in verse 4, chosen of God. And then in verse 9, it says a chosen generation. What, what does that really mean? Now, some of you will recognize this as eclectos. And um, you know, you can get real confused with eclogia, ecclesia, eclectos, and all the X. Uh, all my X's live in Texas. And there, there it is, ek. But ek eclectos is an interesting word. It survives today in our language with eclectic. That's direct eclectos. What does eclectic mean? It means something special from here, something special from here, something special from here, something special from here, and you bring it all together to make something really special. That's what eclectic means, and that's what eclectos means. So God chose us for this service, and then it says in verse 9, it is a chosen, an eclectos generation, genos. All of the things that God originally intended, we're speaking in genos lelia, diversities of tongues. That's what we pray in the grace gift. But all of the things that God has originally wanted to do, he is using you to say, this is a precious thing that's been hidden from the foundation of the world. This is a special thing. This is a special thing. This is a special thing. Understand them. Bring them together. God chose that. And God chose us to be that kind of gen genos, kind of a priesthood. 
which is exciting to me because it really explains a lot of what we felt over the years in serving the Father and then the, the treasured things that he shows us. And it's interesting that uh, generation is genos there. And then in verse 9, it then continues, a royal priesthood. I mean, we are, we are ministering on behalf of, as a priest, on behalf of the king. We're ministering, representing that kingship. And we're ministering to empower kings that the Father has chosen to serve him in many places. Look at the book of Revelation. I know this sounds strange. But God says it will be a kingdom of kings and priests. That's what's coming. That's what we're making ready for. And it's not some, some ostentatious thing that, oh, look at us, you know, forget about generals of intercession, forget about apostles. No, we're making you kings. I mean, we, we, we could raise a lot of money doing that. That would be the next slick thing. But in reality, this is what God looks at. Why? Because we're representing the king. True sons of the Most High God are going to move in kingly authority. And that's the priesthood. Look at it. It's right there. And it's a holy nation. Here it's not genos, it's ethnos. So we're being sent to raise up saints among the people groups of the world. In Revelation, again, we talked about the tree of life regularly over the past several months. And the healing of the ethnos is coming from that understanding. I'm not going to get you too bogged down. Your brain's probably overwhelmed by now anyway. But look at that. A chosen generation an eclectos, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, peculiar people. That doesn't mean strange, even though I've known a whole lot of strange people in the church. Not looking at any of them right now, but, well, Nathan, maybe. But, you know, the, the, you know peculiar is not an excuse to, do, to be weird. Peculiar is something that, if you look at the, 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 the initial formation of this world, it, it, word, it means something that is a treasure, that is especially um, meaningful, that is purchased. God sent the highest price he could ever pay to purchase you for this. And that's what peculiar means there. It, it really speaks about the price God paid. Not, not the idiosyncratic behavior that some of us display. But it's, it's that you got a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. People, this whole thing has been purchased by the precious blood of God himself. And that we could show forth the praises of him who continues to call out of darkness the light. That's, that's just wonderful. But it's chosen. God chose this, eclectos, and we are to, to choose this, this partnership with him to, and, and it, it's, it, we said this on other occasions, but one of the benefits to God linking us up with other nations 
and to really not just go and preach, even though that was has been essential, but to come into alignment in partnership with individuals who are based in other parts of the world, that is a demonstration of this eclectic nature of the kingdom because when you when you're drawing from not only different histemes but but people who have been created to function in different parts of the world and that comes together before the throne there's there's power in that that's that's unim, unimaginable in our in our thinking and and i i'm very grateful for that but it really is because of this spiritual house uh, a priesthood in 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 verse 5 it says it's a holy priesthood in verse 9 it says it's a royal priesthood i almost spoke today out of um, hebrews and the book of hebrews is priesthood, 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 talking over and over and over again from a number of different frameworks. And, you know, we, we, we often think, I, I don't think we really, maybe some of you do, but prophet, yeah, that's, yeah, we'll, we'll study that. Um, saints, yeah, yeah, we'll study that. And this has been the way the Father has moved with us. Fivefold, yeah, we'll study that. But honestly, we haven't really looked a lot about priests, but it's, the, the more you really, I mean sincerely, take yourself, free yourself from the generations of teaching about this, because that, that, those fences are there, and it's hard to, to leap over them, but free yourself from it. When you candidly look at what the Bible says about what we're to be as priests, again, there's no more sacrifice for sin. That's already been laid, so that's gone. And it really, for us, if you're, if you're a holy priesthood, if you are a pneumatikos sacrifice, what is it that you're doing? It's not just leading somebody to Jesus. That's what all of us should do. But our great high priest is wanting us to know the Father and to function at what is at the right hand and what is of Melchizedek, leading people into their place before the Father to function in these dynamic pneumaticos ways. That's a teaching priest. And that's really describes what this pneumaticos house has been laid out to do. And, and I... It's kind of shocking because whenever you look at it, you know, you think about what the priests were responsible for inside the the actual structure of the temple. You know, you you got to be representing the candlestick of the Lord. Well, that's not just keeping it lit. If you're really representing that, you're partnering with the seven spirits at the throne as as sons of the oil that Zechariah saw that is functioning in that way. And Jesus spoke about the candlestick that is in the churches. So that's not just, you know, tidying up, make sure and all the, all the lights are on. Showbread. Well, that's every person serving Adonai in the way they're supposed to be. And that breastplate they wore of judgment and identity, of righteousness, 
Who are you? What are you supposed to be? How are you supposed to be representing the kingdom? I'm incense, intercession, functioning before the Lord. I mean, every part of that is high-level understanding of what God expects for the people. And if you're not teaching that, you're not really functioning in the way God really wanted the priests, especially now since Christ, the risen lamb, has made the perfect sacrifice and there is no more need for that other than to accept him. The only part of that that's still up there is that incense which we offer. We're incense supplier for that altar as saints. So the, the idea of what, uh, of what we need to be as this royal priesthood, as of this holy priesthood, is something that we've been doing, but now we need to bring that together and embrace this next dimension of the teaching aspect of it. And as that happens, there is going to be an initiation, an electric of bringing people to the Father and so that they will, when they accept and receive, boom, they're going to be there and they'll begin to function. And what they're going to need to know then is what meaneth this? I'm sensing this to move. Okay, you're empowered. God has called you to this. We're doing it now, which is why Melchizedek finished his prophetic session with Abram with the communion. And, and I, you know, I, I think the empowerment of the table of grace, I, I'm excited about this. It really does signify where we're supposed to be uh, in this next phase as sons. Um, but... Again, I'm not going to start wearing a fancy hat, a, a toyban, and uh, <laughs> you take the blonde. It, and I'm not going to start doing that, but we need to be functioning in that way. We need to be functioning because that's really what we are. And the prophet, the priest, and the king need to be functioning together, all of us together. Uh, it's, this is what God has always wanted. And now here we are at the culmination of, of days, and, and we, we, we see it. So I love that Peter is saying this, and I love for the, the, the great treatise that the author of the Hebrews gave us, because it really does speak... Uh, to our identity. And so you take these obscure, they shouldn't be obscure, references in the Old Testament that populate so much of what the priesthood should have been, and instead of just focusing on the regulations of the, of the Levitical uh, laws, which were necessary, because for them, nobody could come to God unless you're doing that. But the, the real the real identity of what should be. I, I think you should go back and reread what God said to Samuel and what Samuel said to Eli. That's some big-time stuff. I mean, it's, it's just not just some little boy saying stuff. This is what God said. And Eli, the high priest, said, okay, you're right. This is what's going to happen. That's God's objective. And we are holy called to be holy, 
We are royal. We're called to represent the king. We're called to represent God as sons of the king. And we're supposed to be going forth to identify those that God has also called to stand in their places around the world representing the kingdom as kings, as sons, through Christ, with Christ, in Christ, for Christ. So I'm, I'm very, very grateful for this. And again, what launched, it's, it's almost like the way that the Father's been speaking over these past weeks has just been so it's so specific, but it's so directed. It's like moving from here to here, and then when you get your grip, then you're moving over here, and then when you get your grip, you're moving over here. I don't know where we're going this week, but again, I'm not making excuses for Uzziah. I'm not questioning what God did. I'm not saying, well, woulda, coulda, shoulda, but I do see the, the moment there, and uh, it was about the priesthood, and again, I'm not justifying Uzziah, but I, I look at his track record, and I look at what he did, and I look at what he was surrounded by, and I look at how God used him, and I look at how the Spirit was bringing innovation and creativity that made him the marvel of the world. At least he didn't use it like Solomon did to get a thousand women in, in, uh, in political marriages. He was doing what was right before God, and God was blessing him. And I think he looked, I think he looked, and he said, okay, the kingdom is thriving through God. The prophetic is thriving through God. What are that temple over there? What are those priests? And I think that the initial motive had to be right, considering his track record. But the way he did it was wrong. And um, we'll, we'll talk more about these factors over particularly seminar week because it all does make sense when you look at the preponderance of Scripture that speaks about these things. So, so we, have to, we have to be led of the Spirit to understand these factors in the Scripture but then bring them together in true eclectos fashion to see what God is empowering us for through these understandings. And to me, it's all exciting because there's nothing that excites me more than to, to the Word. I mean, it's just, which is good since through eternity we're going to keep learning that. But, um, but what the Word is going to launch for us is, is, is in our mission for the Father it's going to be something. And, and you know, I, I'm grateful for this because really when you, when you encounter people that God has arranged with divine appointments, specifically in the nations, the, the authority that has now been granted by the Father to impact them is something that I've never felt before. And, and it's only going to increase because the time is short. We need to see people embrace their, their place in God and be that, and not only be that, but to be empowered to move in it. And then you are resources to be Elijah's for them. All right, this is what this means. We're going to stand with you. 
so that you can see Christ formed in you. Boy, that's a, that is a resource that has never really lasted long in the church. It just has not. But it will function now. And we have to believe for that. We, we have to believe for that. Time is short, and um, we have a lot to do. Uh, thanks be to God. <laughs> God is already ahead of us. And um, we're, we're going to see we're going to see the word come alive in new ways. I'm just so grateful for this. On this really frigid day outside, um, God, is, God is so good. So I speak blessing over all of you. And I set precedence of this divine intent in this house. And I give thanks to the Father for it. And I praise him for what he's going to do. And we make commitment to follow. Um, it is you, Jesus, that is teaching us this. It's the Spirit that guides us into these truths. But our great high priest, our great teaching high priest, our great right-hand high priest is leading us into these further measures of serving the Father. And I thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for that. And we submit ourselves to you. You are the chief cornerstone, that pinnacle point of the kingdom, rejected. This process was rejected of men and by the demonic. But we are stones, lively stones, stones that bring life from you. And thank you for that. Help us to function in that way. So let, let in the saints, let us be this holy, saintly nation of priests, a house. Let us be a pneumatikos people. Let us be chosen in the way you've chosen us. But truly, let, let those three facets, serving our Father, our King, serving as prophets, serving as priests, as a holy house, let those things all be functioning so that you are glorified, Father, and your eternal will will be done. And I speak blessing over all of you. you you're a remnant. All of you who are joining with us, not only just on this live stream, but in real-time partnership. This is your calling. It's not just our calling that you're coming alongside. This is your calling and I thank God for you. We thank God for you. We speak blessing over each of you. And I speak the, the full measure of the blessing of the Lord, his healing, his, his financial provision, the peace of mind, uh, established favor, direction, everything that you need. Um, I, I just speak that over you because this is your bread. This is what the Father has ordained for you. And... Um, I thank, I thank our Father for that. So, Father, I, I know this was a rambling message. I knew coming into it that we were going to end early, and we are ending early. Uh, I pray that you'll watch over the people here in Dallas. Um, protect us, keep us warm, keep us safe, keep us well, and um, draw near to us during these old, very weird temperature days. Draw near to us and let us commune with you. Uh, we, we want that desperately. We love you, Father. 
and uh, let let us go forward with you now we we anticipate with great delight what is coming let us embrace what you're giving us now as we look forward to that bless this house bless every house of the saints that we might glorify you where we ask all of this in jesus name amen amen <laughs>